Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Orthopod. My name is Mo Bendari, uh, the Editor-in-Chief of OrthoEvidence, and I'm here with uh, Dr. Hassan Mir. He is currently an orthopedic and trauma surgeon at the Florida Orthopedic Institution. He's also the Residency Director at the University of South Florida. Hassan, hi. Thanks for having me, Mo. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, listen, let me start off with a brief introduction around COVID, and, and I really want to get your thoughts primarily on, on what's going on and your take from what from your vantage point in Tampa, but maybe broadly Florida. There are about 12.4 million cases worldwide. About 3 million of those cases are in the United States. And as I understand, um, in terms of uh, ranking cases in, in the US, the state of Florida ranks in the top five. I think it's maybe four um, with you know a few hundred thousand cases. And I don't know the daily count, but I suspect the count continues to be reasonably high uh, every day. From your perspective and your vantage point, you know, how are things right now um, in Florida? And specifically, if you could speak to some of the, you know, uh, I guess the, the changes in, with respect to uh, reopening and what, that's, what that may or may not have done with respect to case in, influx. Yeah. So uh, right now, Florida, as of yesterday, the numbers for today haven't come out yet. We have uh, 230,000 cases and um, uh, over 4,000 uh, deaths. And within the last few weeks, we've seen the numbers really uh, significantly spike with uh, multiple days of record numbers of cases and record deaths over the last few weeks. And, um, you know, as far as the reopening, um, you know, in March is essentially uh, like uh, a lot of the U.S. Uh, we, we shut down and had safer at home orders late March. Florida was probably a little later than many other states. Um, and then that continued through April and then May is when we started our phased reopening mid-May and then went to a phase two in, uh, in June. And what that did for the healthcare system though was that we were, uh, during the safer at home order, there were no elective cases going on and as a orthopedic trauma service, we continued to operate throughout on emergent and urgent cases. Um, but with the um, uh, phased reopening, elective cases have started again as, uh, you know, a lot of patients were waiting to have uh, problems taken care of that um, would normally be taken care of and they wanted to get back in and have their health care provided. So we started uh, with uh, statewide reopening of elective cases. But with the last two weeks with case numbers of COVID again rising, um, there have been some hospitals in the region on their own, not through a statewide mandate or even countywide mandate, but several hospitals now have had enough uh, of a scare with the recent climate cases that they have shut down elective cases again. So right now, what is the current state in terms of physical distancing policy? So you said that you know, there's reopening and you entered phase two, but from the society level, what are like what's practically happening? So have you, has there been a step back at this point? So did it open up and then suddenly take a step back or is it kind of stayed in the same general policy for you in terms of what's happening uh, in the cities? So, um, as has been well covered by the media, Florida's yeah. policies have been a little bit different than everywhere else. And sure. uh, there has been no statewide mandate for mask wearing. Uh, there have been some county and city ordinances, um, but because of the mixed message from the state and federal leadership, um, mask wearing is not widely practiced here if you just go out in public if you're talking about from a society perspective sure uh, social distancing uh, most people do still respect that uh, the one thing that has 
taken a step back now as far as the phased reopening is that um, bars and restaurants were you know, uh, allowed to open at 50% at capacity. And now uh, bars have been shut back down as of last week. Uh, however, restaurants are still a, uh, able to run uh, at 50% capacity and the bars can still serve uh, to go orders, but uh, no in-person, uh, uh, you know, customers yeah. can be in there. And beaches right now, I mean, Florida's got a lot of beaches. Are, are they open as well? Or are they still, what's happening there? Uh, the vast majority of beaches in the state are open. There is okay. no statewide closing of beaches. Uh, a few of the beaches were closed down for July 4th, but that was on uh, local order. The beaches in the Miami area were closed down, but I can tell you here in the Tampa area, the beaches were open and yep. uh, there were right. lots of folks there. And, um, you so, know, some were choosing to practice social distancing and, and wear masks and others were not. Fair enough. From the perspective right now, in terms of like the overall climb, have you seen a shift in terms of hospital, hospitalized COVID patients or is, has that been like, you know, the, the big issue always around this has been, you know, maintaining capacity. Um, right. Have you seen throughout the Institute anywhere or at the university level with the hospital associated with the University of South Florida, have you seen any shift in or heard about any shift in COVID cases? Yeah, we've definitely seen it. Um, so with uh, our group, we're a large private group and we work with several uh, hospitals in the area, uh, in addition to the uh, university flagship hospital. Um, at um, many of the smaller uh, regional hospitals, uh, they've seen quite a surge in uh, inpatients as well as uh, ICU status patients and ventilated patients. So several of those hospitals now have shut down um, uh, elective cases, but not the same way they did before. Uh, now um, it's kind of a tiered process where if you have elective cases that can be done ambulatory and go home the same day, um, those can still be done. But if it's somebody who has to be admitted, but you think they can't um, be delayed for a couple months, then you can appeal that and, uh, and still possibly get the case in, but you have to have uh, have it reviewed. Uh, and then obviously urgent and emergent cases are going to continue um, uh, as before. Do you think, do you see things getting, I mean, obviously the hope is they get better, but do you, are you over that hump? Do you feel, or is there a general perception in the healthcare community that we're over this, or at least it's flattened? Or is there again, this concept of we can't, we can't let up anymore because if we let up, it's just going to continue. Um, and we, even if we're dropping cases, you know, we got to stay hyper vigilant on this. Yeah, the feeling has changed a few times in Florida. I can right. tell you early on, um, you know, we uh, the the general uh, feel amongst the healthcare community and certainly amongst the public was, well, it's not that bad here. We're not seeing that much. We're not New York. We're not Italy. Uh, we're not Wuhan. But um, then we saw a little bump in cases and got a little nervous, but then we didn't see the massive wave that a lot of the other uh, uh, aforementioned places experienced. So I think that potentially, at least from a public perspective, maybe the guard was let down. At least, uh, from a healthcare perspective, we were still um, uh, nervous about it, but we went with the phased reopening and, and wanted to take care of patients and we felt that we could do so safely. Now, I, I don't think that we are over the hump. I don't think that the, the vast majority of physicians I talk to, and we have daily multidisciplinary huddles and discuss these yeah. things. We're, we're still in the midst of this and we understand that it's really 
really still uh, just the first wave is hitting different places at different times. And we, I don't think we've seen the top of the hump yet to, to be over it. And we're just proceeding cautiously. The hospitals, even if without state or federal mandates, are being responsible, keeping track of our own uh, capabilities and shifting units when necessary and trying to um, streamline the amount of patients that we have in the hospital from a surgical perspective to not utilize resources and still be able to take care of uh, other conditions, including COVID. So would you characterize the healthcare community as being on a sense of uh, alert? I mean, so for example, I'll, I'll, I'll counter, I'll give you a counter to that in Canada. Canada, for the most part, has been very carefully watching everybody, you know, and, and learning and hopefully learning from other experiences. And there's a period right now, let's say in Ontario right now, where there are fewer than a hundred, you know, maybe 150 cases every day. And there's, you know, there's a sense now of people feeling that we're over it. There's, there's, there's a, a sense of success. And there's more and more, I would say, general growing pressure in the community that we wanna open. Like, let's get things going. Let's get the economy boosted. And then you have these warnings from other groups that have done just that, you know, whether it's in California, I've just talked Texas, you're kind of echoing that. And we're seeing things happening all over the world where when you let your quote guard down, as you said, you know, it opens back up again. Having gone through this up and down, is there just a general heightened sense of, I wouldn't say the word anxiety, but whatever that word may be of being a bit more concerned and not letting things, because there are definitely folks exactly what you stated, Hassan. I'd say, well, we haven't seen the surge. I, I'm not sure we're ever going to see the surge. And, you know, what's all this about? Like, it's not, they're not able to relate to what you're feeling when you're seeing something, you know, go up. I mean, there's definitely, um, I would say it would be kind of a, uh, a wake up call in that, well, this is why we locked down the first time was to prevent exactly um, where we are afraid that we might be heading now. We're not there, we're not overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the hospitals are, um, you know, are closing down elective stuff uh, uh, selectively. But the, the other thing that we've done in our region that's really been amazing, it's the first time I've seen it because, you know, like I mentioned, we cover multiple hospitals, right. which are part of multiple different hospital systems. Right. I've never seen this much collaboration between really highly competitive hospital systems as I've seen now with data sharing, with census uh, of both COVID, uh, ICU capacity, ventilator capacity. We have, you know, a shared dashboard of uh, 55 hospitals in the region that, that I could log into right now and see what everybody's status is. And so uh, by working together, I think that we're prepared for a bigger surge. So we're not yeah. as nervous or anxious as uh, the first go round in March. But we still do sense that, yeah, this is why we prepared, because the numbers are yeah. going up. You still feel that it's, this is a first wave in Florida. In other words, you know, there are people talking about, well, it went up, it went down, and therefore they're calling things, I think, somewhat almost an error, a second wave, when it's really just you know, a prolonged first wave that's having multiple peaks. Did you characterize this still as being the first wave? I think um, we're definitely yeah. still in a first wave. The thing is that um, with the U.S. being so uh, large and geographically yeah. diverse and with different population pockets, I think that different places experience their first wave at different times. And I think that, um, that I would uh, definitely characterize us still in the midst of the first wave. 
And then that gets back, I guess, to the point, and maybe it'll be the last couple of questions, you know, just thoughts, because I, I think this has been extremely helpful for me to understand as well. But do you have, um, or is there a general sense that, okay, whenever we get through this, um, we have to be vigilant again, that three, four months from now, if you look at history, you know, prior large infect, you know, global infections have had a period of time, and then they come back again, right? They come back again, usually three or four months. And for us, this would be in the fall months in Canada, but there's a concern that there would be a, another quote wave. Are people even thinking that far ahead at this point? Is, is it even possible to think that far ahead and plan for that? Yeah, I mean, we've certainly had those discussions and um, at the hospital system level, at the group level uh, about, well, what happens in the fall when yeah. we have the the usual flu season that's around. And then if, uh, as we know that, you know, there's no hope of a vaccine, I think that soon. So now you're gonna have both flu season as well as COVID cases uh, potentially returning. And yeah, we we're definitely trying to make sure that, that uh, at each stage that we take the lessons that we've learned and add to them. And that way we can maintain enough capacity to keep taking care of patients. Um, who may not have urgent or emergent needs, but certainly they have conditions that significantly alter their lifestyle, their ability to work, uh, their ability to provide. Um, and so they have conditions that we also don't want to ignore, at least orthopedically. And then if you look at the larger uh, realm of healthcare, certainly there's been um, referred to a second pandemic of people delaying care for other conditions that are just going to make things worse for them in general. And we want to maintain capacity to be able to take care of patients uh, with all regard. And when you look back, like, and this is very much a hypothetical, right? This is almost, uh, but if you think about what you've been through um, and what you've learned from, um, you know, the experiences that have, you know, already ensued, if, if this happens again in a second wave, and let's hope it doesn't, but what would be in your mind things that you say we absolutely have to do? Because if we don't do that, um, we're going to end up in the same prolonged multi-month situation where we're not able to get control. And I know, I mean, this is under the assumption, let's assume, Hassan, that there is no vaccine. So under the assumption we don't have a vaccine in the next three or four months and something were to surge again, is this a matter again of a non-pharmacological treatment, which is just, you know, ex extreme distancing again, or going into an extreme period of a, quote, even dare I say, lockdown again? Yeah. I mean, I really hope that we don't have to go in lockdown again, yeah. but there has to be a little more um, uh, guidance, let's say, from federal, the federal government and state governments um, that uh, ensure that the things we know that work are actually done. Uh, which, as you mentioned, mask wearing, social distancing, hand washing, that these things aren't just suggested to the public, but they're just, they're actually enforced. Because when these things were enforced, um, and in areas where they are enforced, we've seen success. And so to just leave it to local communities and have mixed messages from different, different levels of government, I don't think is a, is a way to proceed. And it will make you have to lock down again, rather than to maintain some level of being open. And, and it'll be better for the economy to maintain some level of being open. And I think what's happening too is, you know, the, the news media for sure, I mean, whether it's, you know, um, you can across the spectrum of news media, do you feel that in some way that Florida is being unfairly treated by the news media? Or do you feel like there's a lot of fear, right? There's a, there's an element of people saying, you know, there's so much fear mongering going on around COVID and 
and maybe that's just the exact anxiety of the population feeling fatigued. But do you feel that there has been a reasonable representation of what's happening, or are there big differences from what what we might be hearing outside to what's actually happening? Yeah. So uh, with your point about fatigue, I quit watching a lot of um, you know the daily when there were the daily briefings from the White yes. House. I couldn't watch them anymore. Right. Uh, and then as far as just the news reports on on COVID, uh, when I flip on the TV when I get home after work, I don't yeah. necessarily want to watch the news on COVID. So uh, I, I, I I'll catch pieces of it, and then obviously reading online or through social media, et cetera, you'll see pieces. And I think that um, there still is. A, an element of fear mongering on, on, it seems like, you know, on one end of the spectrum and then the other end of spectrum, it seems like there's an element of downplaying. Yeah. <laughs> and so right, right, right. you kind of are probably really somewhere in the middle. Um, as far as Florida goes, um, you know, it's uh, Florida has been sometimes referred to, and I've seen this quote online a couple of times as the America of the world. And so as extreme as Florida seems to Americans, America seems that extreme to the rest of the world. And there is some element of truth to it, but not everyone can be painted so broadly with a, with the same brush. And I think that there are certainly plenty of people here who take this seriously and, uh, and are doing the right things. And, you know, uh, the biggest thing that, that really is on our minds right now, um, outside the healthcare system is schools reopening in the fall. And that's just triggered a whole nother round of debate on what is safe for our children. Yeah, and I think that debate will continue. And the thing is, it's coming right around the time where one might perceive, you know, we said flu season and all the other issues. It's not, it's not anywhere near as uh, definitive, but right now we're having that debate in Canada as well. And uh, it is the impacts, and to the point you said, there's been so many other realizations that in our attempt to, you know, keep the healthcare capacity and tackle COVID with policy, that's led to a series of other unintended, I suspect, you know, in many ways, unintended complications that have directly resulted from COVID policy, whether it's increase in uh, addiction, increase in abuse, mental health, you know, uh, patients on waiting lists for long, long periods of time having increasing difficulty, some dying because they're waiting so long. All these things in the, in the aftermath, you can almost argue may in fact, um, and I'm sure this modeling will get done, may in fact have had even a greater impact than any advances we made on trying to save lives from COVID, for example. We don't know that yet, but you know, you can see where we're going with this in the future and probably the future will, you know, in retrospect, help us better understand what we're going through right now. On that note though, um, I can't thank you enough for taking a little bit of time with us um, to give us a bit of an education on, on your perspectives. And I do hope we can get you back on soon to talk about something I know is near and dear to both our hearts, a little bit of research, a bit of uh, focus on orthopedic trauma um, uh, in, with better days to come. But thank you, Dr. Mir, for spending some time with us today on Orthopod.